Hey, this is Adam Penapinto. I'm the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a part of our Hope Covenant Church family, we would love to connect with you via social media on all social media outlets or on our website, hopecovenant.cc. I hope this word encourages, inspires, and challenges you in your daily walk with God as we dig deeper into his word. Let's jump right into today's message. Do you want to welcome our online viewers and those of you that are listening on the podcast? Perhaps it's someday during the week that you're listening. You might be driving in your car or wherever you are. Hope, Kevin, would you put your hands together for our online viewers and listeners? And I want to just say this, that if you're ever in the Charlotte area, stop on by and we will make you feel right at home, won't we, Hope Covenant? It's good. It's good. I want to welcome the Holy Spirit. We're going to play a short video in just a second. Just say this with me. Say, Jesus, I give my attention to you. I submit myself to you. Open my eyes. Open my ears. I'm not just going to hear your word, but today I'm going to be a doer of your word. I'm going to put action to the things that I learned from your word. Now, I thank you, Lord, that I'm leaving not the same, but different, changed, fired up, filled with energy, filled with passion. For your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, would you lift up a shout of praise this morning? If you would be seated, direct your attention to the screen. After the resurrected Jesus had ascended to heaven, his disciples waited for the promised Holy Spirit, the helper and counselor who would be sent from the Father. The day of Pentecost was the day that promise was fulfilled. On that day, like a rushing wind from heaven, the Spirit of God was poured out upon his people. The people of God were now filled with the presence of God. The temple of God, once a building, was now his people, men and women filled with his spirit. That day, the church of Jesus Christ began, a people set apart to follow God, speak the good news, and embody the kingdom of God, fueled and empowered by the spirit. For where the spirit of the Lord is, Souls are saved. Dead hearts of stone are transformed into hearts of flesh, full of abundant life. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, truth is revealed. He is himself the Spirit of truth, and he replaces the lies of the world with the truth of God's Word. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, sin is conquered. Our eyes are opened to the wickedness of our sin, and the Spirit transforms us to become more and more like Christ. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, identity is secure. He reminds us of who we really are in Christ, citizens of heaven, sons and daughters of the one true God. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, Christ is exalted. The Spirit shines a spotlight on Christ and what he's done reminding us of the cross, the empty grave, and the day that is yet to come, when Jesus returns to us again and makes his home among us. Yeah, 
it is Pentecost Sunday today, and uh, this happens uh, about this time every year. And so uh, I do want to acknowledge Pentecost Sunday, and that's what we just learned about right there, and that, that there was a move of the Spirit of the Lord in the book of Acts, and it, it, it really was a moment where there was an encounter with Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about this today as we, we turn to God's Word. We're going to turn to Nehemiah chapter 6 and talk about the devil's strategy, because there is always an attack where the spirit of the Lord is. The enemy will try to attack a moment where God is moving. And many of you, I believe, are in this place where you're experiencing a little bit of breakthrough and a lot of bit of attack. If you're there this morning, would you kind of wave at me? You're experiencing a little bit of breakthrough and a lot of bit of attack. Yeah, I had a feeling that was everybody because when the Holy Spirit speaks, he's never wrong. And uh, he showed me some things that I I want to address. And so this is a serious message, but at the same time, I want to start with a little bit of a joke and have some fun. Uh, I don't usually do this, but this is such a serious message that I just want to have a little bit of fun. And for those of you that might be struggling in this area, I think this will encourage you. I want to start by giving you some statistics that I recently read about. Uh, For those of you who are watching what you're eating, here's the final word on nutrition and health. Final word. It's a relief to finally know the truth after all of the nutritional studies that are out there. Here's five points. Number one is that the Japanese eat very little fat and suffer fewer heart attacks than the English. Fewer heart attacks than the English. That's the Japanese. The Mexicans eat a lot of fat and suffer fewer heart attacks than the English. The Chinese drink very little red wine and suffer fewer heart attacks than the English. Number four, the Italians drink a lot of red wine and suffer fewer heart attacks than the English. The Germans drink a lot of beer. They eat a lot of sausage and fats and suffer fewer heart attacks than the English. The conclusion is eat and drink what you like. Speaking English is apparently what kills you. (laughs) So I want to encourage you with that. That's a bit of a controversial joke for a pastor to share, but I went there this morning. Holy Spirit, come back. Speak to us today on the devil's strategy. I will tell you this. Um, whenever I'm speaking on a subject, like let's say I spoke on peace last week, I'm attacked all week long on whatever I talk about. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, Liz and I went to the doctor on Friday. Uh, is it okay if I share? I, I think there's anointed to share, so I'm going to share. If it's, if it's not okay, just tell me later. Um, God, say a prayer for Liz. Um, we went to the doctor on Friday, and the doctor took Liz's blood pressure, which was off the charts. Wanted to put her into the hospital immediately, and uh, I saw Liz get very, very concerned, and I saw fear try to creep up on her. And I'm sitting in the office, and I'm listening to the doctor, and we have a great doctor. I love her, and, and how many of you know doctors are used of the Lord? And how many of you know that when the Lord uses people, the enemy will also try to use people? And so the doctor's talking, and I'm watching Liz's face, and I knew as soon as the doctor walked out of the room, there was going to be an explosion of emotion, in which case there was. And I said, Liz, just do me a favor. Just get in the Jeep. Just go downstairs, and I'm going to walk with you. Let's just go. And I, I, I had this, like, power walk. I felt like Superman in the moment. And, uh, you know, opening the door, we got on the Jeep, and I said, we're not going to the hospital. We're fine. We're fine. 
To which case, there was another flurry of emotion. I said, let's go to Starbucks, because that's what we do. You know, when, when, the, when the enemy attacks, we go to Starbucks. When God's good, we still go to Starbucks. It's what we do in our house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Um, and so we went there, and I said, this, I believe this is, a, this is a divine strategy to get you ramped up. We're gonna, you're going to be fine. Well, we went over to my parents' house, and we prayed, of course. And, you know, my parents wanted to immediately get into the spirit, and we did that, and, uh, and we, we submitted to the Lord, and sure enough, Liz's blood pressure came down, and we're fine, and we believe that there is a divine appointment for this baby to come, and we believe it's going to be this week. In fact, I, I don't know when it's going to be, but we're, we're believing very soon, and I, I believe it will be very soon, um, and uh, I just, I want to talk about this, though, because we're, I believe us walking through that is deliberate. Because how many of you know that the celebration of a baby coming is a, is a joyful thing? It's wonderful. It's life. God is doing many things that are wonderful in many of your lives, and you're going to see how this applies. But the enemy always had as a strategy, and his strategy is always fear. And I want to talk about Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter 6. I want to just reference because Nehemiah had an amazing posture, and I want to encourage you to take notes on this because I really believe this will change the trajectory of not only your week, but your life. If you'll really listen to this and apply the wisdom of Nehemiah to when the enemy tries to attack. So, and it's all out of Nehemiah chapter six. In fact, I would encourage you when you leave here to apply yourself and read Nehemiah chapter six, read it straight through. It's a great book. Use it as a devotional this week. It's really awesome. Um, and, and Nehemiah's name actually, which is prophetic, it actually means comforter. That's what Nehemiah's name means, which is amazing. That his name means, I believe it's a prophetic name that he had, not by accident, that his name meant comforter, means comforter. But Nehemiah had a whole journey to help rebuild a wall, if you remember, around Jerusalem. And this wall was specifically around the temple and, and he was sort of summoned to do this and financed by the king to do this. And, and, uh, and so there was, there was amazing attack against Nehemiah. We have this, this picture, if you could picture this, Israel trying to rebuild walls around the city to protect it. And for 70 years, as they were attempting to build this wall, it was nothing but failure for 70 years as they were trying to build the wall. And Nehemiah comes in and hears from, for lack of a better explanation, hears from God. So we know this as the inspiration of Holy Spirit, the voice of God. And after 70 years of failure within 52 days, so we could say in a season, the wall was complete. In 52 days, the wall was built. 70 years of trying to do this. So we, we say this all the time, that just a moment in the presence of Holy Spirit, things can happen where there's revelation and understanding that I could talk to you for 70 years perhaps, but just one moment where we encounter Holy Spirit and everything changes because there's revelation now. Like I could talk to you about God a whole ton, but if I could just introduce you to him, there's a, an amazing epiphany yes. that happens, amazing revelation. So 70 years, you got this picture, they're trying to build this wall, and within 52 days, there's the inspiration and strategy of Holy Spirit that's given, and it's completed. Now, I want to say this to many of you that are striving, and maybe it's felt like 70 years that you're trying to accomplish something, that it's in the presence of Holy Spirit where the revelation of the strategy is for you. 
which is why I encourage you, there's a moment where it might not be convenient, but it is right and it is divine to press pause and say, I just need to get away. I don't need to be doing right now. I need to be resting. They that wait upon the Lord, it says in Isaiah, I believe it's 52, they that wait upon the Lord, that's where there's a renewal of strength. Not in striving, but in waiting. Well, that makes no sense to be not doing, and then there's so much done, unless you're missing the puzzle piece that Holy Spirit gives you, which happens in the waiting. I want to say that, and maybe that's a good thing for you to write in your notes, that the puzzle piece you're missing happens in the waiting, in the divine appointment that's given by Holy Spirit. So you could say it like this, what they couldn't do in a lifetime took only a season with Holy Spirit. It's important to note that the enemy will always try to get you to compromise and fail when you do hear the Holy Spirit. Like that's the beginning and that's great that we hear him, but then the enemy tries to come in with all the lies, all the counterfeit and tries to hit us and distract us and wear us out. And I believe that's where many of you are today, that you have order and you have direction, but there's the enemy's lies often of failure, fear, trying to hit you with fear, trying to trip you up everywhere. And so Nehemiah went through this. The enemy will try to get you to compromise and fail. And Nehemiah went through that. Nehemiah says on four different occasions in chapter six, they were trying to frighten me. They were trying to get me to fear. That's important to note. They were trying to get me discouraged through fear. You know, if the enemy can't scare the stuff out of you, he'll try to get you discouraged, which really the root of discouragement is fear when you think about that. They were trying to get me discouraged through fear. They were trying to get me to stop the work because of fear. That's what the enemy is going to try to do. He's going to try to slow you down, trip you up, and get you to stop out of fear. How many of you know the number one command in scripture, number one command, the one that's repeated the most is do not fear. It's not given as an option. Do not fear. The number one command in scripture. This is repeated the most often because it's the most needed. You hearing me? Number one command. Don't fear because it's the most needed. You're going to need this throughout your lifetime. We can't forget that. Everything we do in life is done out of one of two things. It's either done out of love or it's done out of fear. Think about that. Everything that you do in life is done either out of love or fear. Fear drives your mind into forbidden territory because we're commanded not to fear. So when we start to fear, it drives our mind into forbidden territory. Now, I want to address this for the person that's sitting there thinking, okay, I'm feeling a little bit of what I'm going to call condemnation over this because I deal with fear. Okay, we all deal with fear. And it is okay to have a thought that triggers fear. It's what you do with it and what territory you go to that now you're stewarded a moment. I can either snuff this out or I can deal with fear and we're going to go here and what that looks like. Okay? Y'all with me? 
Now, I want to say this, that the, the devil comes as an angel of light, the scripture says. So this isn't going to look bad. He, how many of you know the devil doesn't come in like these satanic looking robes with horns? That's not how he's going to come. It's, you could say this, that the devil comes to us as inspired thought. So we got to be careful because he's very deceptive. He's a shyster. <laughs> um, it's true. It's, uh, this is true about the enemy. We've got to acknowledge this so we understand. So, for example, it can look like this. You might be a prophetic individual, like we just talked about with Kisa, where you're a seer and you see things. You're an intercessor. You intercede. But all of a sudden, the Lord shows you a moment, and this turns into where we're gossiping and slandering and backbiting about somebody rather than interceding. And that's a decision that we made in our flesh, and now we're responsible for sin. Y'all seeing this? So it came as an inspired thought, but then it turned into sin. Strategy of the enemy. And human nature, the heart is desperately wicked, so we have to stand on alert. Because what the Lord meant for good, the enemy always tries to, to turn it into evil. Always. And he will use those that are closest to you. He will use the man of God that's walking with the Lord that says something out of, a, out of maybe a fleshly moment, not on alert, not even realizing, sometimes unaware of how he or she is being used of the enemy, which is why you have to filter everything that is said to you. And that's why I encourage you, and we're going to go here talking about some prophets in the Bible, that the, I love the word of God because we don't have to test it. We know it's truth. But when we get a prophetic word, we have to be very careful. I tell everybody, if you get a word, like I gave Kisa, test it because I've seen words really throw people off before. Would never base your life on a word. Base your life on the word of God that is tested and true. That's really good. Somebody needs to give God a shout of praise. That's really good. So the only way to avoid this happening with, is with us being in the presence of God where we have the conviction and the inspiration of Holy Spirit that will tell us when we're off track. Psalms 37 verse 8. I want to say this, that fear, unstopped fear, I'll say it like this, unstopped, unsnuffed fear, when you don't take that moment that you're stewarded to cut it out, it leads to sin always. Marinating, you go, well, how does it lead to sin? Well, we're commanded not to fear. That's the number one command. Do not fear. Everybody say it. Number one, number one. Do, not do not fear. So when we let that go and we give our minds permission to go to that forbidden territory that we were just commanded not to go, we end up in sin because delayed obedience is disobedience. Y'all catching this? Psalms 37 verse 8, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. Now, some versions say do not fear. It only leads to evil or it leads only to evil. So if you're standing in a place of fear, you have two options. How do I get out of fear? You can repent and get out of it or you can sin. It's that simple. Scripture is that plain and clear. Guys, I'm preaching the word here. This is good stuff. There's revelation in this. So you can repent yourself out of fear. 
I caught myself, Liz didn't know it, in the dark, I look like a macho man, but in the, in the, I'm sitting there going, Jesus, forgive me because I'm feeling my heart fluttering right now and I don't wanna end up in a place of sin. I release these thoughts in Jesus' name. This is not truth. You have to take authority over the, those thoughts and it's good to let your ears hear your mouth say, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. No, yes. cut it out. Yeah. Talk to yourself in the spirit. So repenting from fear would look like this, and I'm going to put this up. This is a prayer that we can pray. Father, I acknowledge, if you've been in a place of fear, Father, I acknowledge that I have been believing a lie. I have been entertaining things that are warring against my destiny. I've been entertaining thoughts, ideas, and values that are contrary to my design in Christ. God, forgive me for compromising my own soul. Oh, that prayer is good. We should write that out and hand it out. I'm going to read it again. Father, I acknowledge that I have been believing a lie. I have been entertaining things that are warring against my very calling, my very destiny. I've been entertaining thoughts, ideas, and we've all done this, that are contrary to my design to flourish fear-free in Christ. God, forgive me for compromising my own soul. It's that simple. It's that simple. Because repentance is not a moment of shame it's a moment of deliverance. Some of you probably saw that on my social media. I, said it, I say it every week. It's not a dirty word. It's a beautiful thing. It's that simple. A mic drop like, hey, Lord, I repent of this. I'm going to flee from this. I'm not going to entertain it. Fear is not an option. Not an option. And repeat your, that to yourself. Fear works to contaminate your thoughts and your perception. And I think that's important, the word perception. Because how many of you know there's perception that's truth and there's perception that's not truth, it's deception. And fear comes from a deceived perception. Dece the, the enemy comes, deception, to deceive. He's trying to psych you out, trying to make you believe something that's artificial. But here's the thing, your discipline will not deliver you out of fear. For example, you can't just think positive thoughts to get out of fear. You have to go to truth. What is truth? It's the word of God, the prophetic word of God, the utterance of Holy Spirit, and start declaring it over your life because fear has to flee in that moment. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. No weapon formed up against me, no lie that's coming against me, that's targeting me can prosper in Jesus' name. You start to speak that out, and all of a sudden you go, why is the fear lifting? Because the truth is the only thing that will deliver you from fear. Wow. Not positive, happy thoughts. Because happiness is circumstantial. No, you declare the joy of the Lord, which goes beyond circumstance, beyond my ability to understand. I declare that over my mind and my body and my soul and my spirit in Jesus' name. And the choir said amen. Amen. There's also times where we partner with jealousy. What happens when we partner with jealousy? We become jealous. When we Instagram, oh, look at their life. They look fear-free. Do you know that Instagrammers and social media, many of the people that are on there, I'm not, I'm, look, I'm, not, I'm not giving accusations. I'm just speaking the truth. There's so much false, what looks like security, but it's really insecurity. It's fake news, media. It is. 
It is totally deception. That's not how that person's life looks. That's not how their house looks. Why don't you come over three o'clock during the day? Just saying. So if you've partnered with jealousy, we got to turn to God's word again for the conviction and the inspiration of Holy Spirit, which reveals that to us so that we can not so we can live in shame. None of this is designed to bind you with shame. It's there to give you deliverance so you can walk free. Because like the video just said, where the spirit of the Lord is, that's where there's freedom. That's where there's freedom from anxiety. That's where there's freedom from fear. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. None. So Nehemiah 6, finally going there. Verse 11 to 13. But I replied, should someone in my position run from danger? This is Nehemiah. Okay, he's, he's being punked right now. Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? No, I won't do it. I realized that God had, had not spoken to him. This is talking about these prophets, just to give you a little background. There were prophets for hire. They paid these prophets to give Nehemiah a word that would throw him off. Now, this is very prophetic because right now in our nation, we're experiencing people that are saying things on the media, on the news all the time, posing it as truth that is not truth. For example, the economy is going great. Uh, anybody here see the economy is not going great, okay? Oh, things are going to be just fine. We're not, we're not getting into a recession. Does anybody see that we're getting more and more into debt and there's a spirit of stupid over our nation right now? And what is the only thing that will bring us to being right is truth, the word of God, which we have to turn away from sin, repent from our ways so that God can heal our land so we can get common sense again. I'm paying $3.30 for gas right now, but you're telling me everything's okay. I went to Harris Teeter a couple times this week, and I was like, my God, what is going on? Oh, don't, guys, don't worry. We're not in a recession. Everything's fine. I just dropped $100, and I got, like, milk and a couple of other things. You're telling me everything's okay. You know, and then you really feel the Holy Ghost. You go to Aldi's, and you check out, and you're like, okay, it's a little better, but still, like, this is not all right. You go to Whole Foods and you really know it's not all right. That was free. That had nothing to do with this message. So 12, I realized that God had not spoken to him. So, so Nehemiah's walking in truth and recognizes this is a fake news word. That prophets that were hired, they were four higher prophets, not non-for-profit. They were four higher, for-profit prophets. He had uttered this prophecy against me because Tobiah... And Sambalot had hired him. There was, a, there was a force against him because he was doing the will of the Lord. When you're doing the will of the Lord, there's going to be a force against you, I can guarantee it. If you're doing the will of God, you're going to experience the enemy coming at you. In fact, Paul told, tells us there's going to be trouble. It's going to be trouble. It's an encouraging word for everyone here. Verse 13 They were hoping to intimidate me and make me sin. They were hoping to get him stuck in a snare, a trap of the enemy. And then they would be able to accuse and discredit me. Anybody ever been there before? The accuser of the brethren. I want to say this, that the enemy works hard to reward those that criticize you. 
I'm going to say it again, and y'all are going to say amen at the end. The enemy works hard to reward those that criticize you. Nehemiah 6, verse 1 to 4, and we're going to end here. Sambalot, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained. So this was a, this was a fortified, strong wall. Though we had not yet set up the doors in the gates. This is prophetic right here. So the wall is fortified, but there's an open door. I want to ask you, where do you have a fortified wall? The walls are strong, but there's an open door. Where is the open door to fear? Where is the open door to fear? I'm not asking you this so you feel bad. I'm asking you so you can close the door so you can keep fear out. How many of you know doors are good because you need to open the door to go in? We need to open the door to let the word of God in. But we need to close the door to keep out the devil. Light the candle, everything is all right. <laughs> some of y'all are having flashbacks right now. All you church kids, all you VBSers are like, yeah, amen. <laughs> Shut the door to keep out the devil. So, so right here, this is prophetic. There were not yet doors in the gates. So just picture a cutout, fortified wall, but there's no door there yet. So Sambalot and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But I realized that they were plotting to harm me. So he has revelation. He's getting these letters from these, these government leaders that were against Israel. And he's got revelation that there's an attack that's being, that's being put against him. Nehemiah recognizes this. So I replied by sending this message to them. This is the crux of this message here at Hope Covenant here today. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Right there, I want to pause. He says, I ain't, ain't, got, ain't nobody got time for that. I am not going to meet with you. I'm not entertaining this conversation. When the enemy tries lying to you, that needs to be your fortified response. Ain't nobody got time for that. I am not meeting with you. No, sir. I got a great work of the Lord to do. I don't have time to quit and stop or even pause to entertain. Yeah, and guys, this is what we do so many times. We entertain the thoughts of the enemy that ends up getting us in a position of failure. We can't entertain that. But check this out. And this verse is even more prophetic. Verse four, four times they sent the same message. And each time I gave them the same reply. How many of you know, when you tell the enemy back off, he's not going back off. He's going to come back and come back and come back and try to wear you out and try to get you exhausted to where you just give in. And in Jesus' name, you have to, like Nehemiah, stand strong against the lies and, and the consistent attacks of the enemy and say, no, I'm not moving. I don't have time for this. I want to say this to every person here today. Too often we entertain these conversations. And notice Nehemiah, he didn't slow down. And this needs to be what we do. We do not slow down. The thing is, if you're engaged in the Lord's work, because he says, you'll notice in this verse, verse three, I am engaged in a great work. If you're engaged in a great work of the Lord, you have authority 
to say that to the enemy. The problem is much of the church today is not engaged in the great work of the Lord. Oh, that's revelation right there. You can't tell the devil not to interrupt the work you're not doing. So we need to examine, am I doing the Lord's work? We know we can do nothing without God. The problem is the church today has learned to do nothing with God. That'll preach right there. We could do nothing without God, but we've learned to do nothing with God. There's a lackadaisical, I mean, we can't even get the church to get up in the morning, brush your teeth and get to church on Sunday mornings. So I had somebody, somebody actually this week that talked to me and said, have you ever thought about entertaining 24-7 prayer? I said, no, I can't even get people to come to corporate prayer once a month. Why would I entertain? No, the American, I don't believe we're ready for that. I don't believe we're ready for that as a church. Personally, I just, I don't. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with churches that do, but man, my God, we got to be faithful in the little, right? Y'all feeling me? So we must engage in our calling because when we engage in our calling, there's an authority that comes with it, including the authority to war against the enemy. Let's learn from Nehemiah that we must stand firm and not grow weary when the enemy hits us over and over and over again with the same nonsense. And Paul really hit on on knowing the enemy's strategy like this. He said in 2 Corinthians 2, verses 10 to 11, probably everybody's familiar with this. It's regarding forgiveness. He was addressing forgiveness. When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit. This is the revelation right here. So that Satan will not outsmart us, we are familiar with his evil schemes. Because I was asked this yesterday by someone who actually sent me a message, a DM on Facebook saying, why would you talk about the enemy's strategy? Why, don't you believe in just giving God glory? I, yeah, but, but Paul says in verse 11 right here, we need to be familiar with the enemy's schemes. We need to be familiar. So I have to talk about the devil so you're aware of what he's going to try to slap you with. I saw this quote and I thought it was great. And again, guys, I'm not suggesting before I read this and the enemy tries lying to somebody here. I'm not suggesting that if you deal with fear that you're in a position of sin. It's if you don't deal with fear. Okay, but this this quote right here, this this will preach right here. You can always tell how close you are to God by how much peace you have in your life. We talked about peace last week. You can always tell how close you are to God by how much peace you have in your life. But check this out. You could tell how far you are from God by how much fear you have in your life. It's a good check. It could be as simple as you're dealing with fear on a particular day that you know you didn't marinate in the presence of the Lord and start your day off right. And you have to go back and check that discipline so that you're armed with the full armor of God to stand with the shield of faith against the lies of the enemy. Because he's looking for the open gate that he can walk through, the open door that he can walk through. And he's going to knock and knock and knock on that fortified wall till he can find a soft spot. And my job and your job is me over my life and you over your life, because I'm preaching to me this morning, to make sure that I've secured the door and locked the deadbolt and the bottom lock on the doorknob to make sure that he cannot get in. You go over to my parents' house anytime, you know, after 11 o'clock at night, 
And I have the code to their garage door because, you know, I'm, I'm sonship. I can walk in when I want to. They can't walk into my house when they want to, but I can walk into their house when they want to. <laughs> Neither one of us can do that. And we, we, we always give each other a heads up. That was free. But if you go in their garage door, you'll find that when you get to the door that goes into the house, it's always locked. And it cracks me up because the garage door is locked. Well, it cracked me up until I had a garage in my house. <laughs> And I started locking the door, and went, I, I get it now. You know, I get it because y- you never know if the garage door is like going to automatically open or something. Of course, in my house, it rattles the whole house, so you hear it. But nonetheless, it's a good strategy to really make sure things are secure. It's just extra security, and it's smart. I, I feel like some of y'all need to do the double door lock today. And make sure that we're keeping fear out. That no matter what comes against us, we know we can stand strong. And I know this seems like a common sense message, but if it's so common, how come we struggle with so much fear? And again, I'm preaching to myself. We know the greater is he that's in us, is he that lives in the world. We know that, that, that the battle's already been won. We know we don't have to war against fear, but we catch ourselves struggling with this. And I just want to remind you today, church, A.W. Tozer, I share this quote all the time. A scared world needs a fearless church. And each of us have an opportunity and a moment that has stewarded us for the cause of the greater work of Jesus Christ to make sure that we tell fear to go and take this assignment, this command seriously from God. Because there's great authority that comes with it. It's time to get over it. It's time to grow up. And stop fearing. And in the day that we're living in, there is only one way we're going to make it through to the end. And that's by walking in authority. You don't have to take it. It's already been given to you. We need to walk in it. Just going to speak this. It is prophetic. But I believe it's also extremely strategic. Adam's talking about the devil's strategy. It's extremely strategic what your pastor is speaking to you today. Because in the end times, man's hearts will fail them for fear. And he is strengthening the body of Christ right now and getting you to understand this is serious stuff. And the Lord would say to you, put aside every attack of fear. You grab hold of it and you throw it at the feet of Jesus. You take authority over it and you speak what the word says, not what the enemy is trying to whisper in your ear. You see, the enemy cannot read your mind, but he can listen to what you speak and your actions. And so God is saying it is time for the body of Christ to stand strong against fear. And here's a little tickler for you. F-E-A-R. Faith exits, anxiety rises. That is what fear is. So you grab a hold of it and you say, no, I'm believing the word of the Lord. Yeah, so it, for, for the person that's sitting here saying, I, I get this message, but I've got this. Can I tell you that none of us have got this except in the presence of the Lord? None of us. It's like all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and feared. Every one of us have done this. But we have a moment. And so, Father, we do this. We look to you. We repent, which is not shame. It's deliverance. We repent for fear. We repent for freaking out. And we surrender to you 
And like we talked about last week, we replace fear with peace because of your presence. Holy Spirit, we release every obstacle, every demonic thought of the enemy, or every just thought that is not of you, we lay it at your feet. We cast our cares on you, laying down every burden, every anxiety, every fear, every bit of depression. And we thank you that we will have peace and joy this week as we walk our week. Lord, I thank you there's a destiny and there's a calling for each person here. And I thank you, Lord, that there will be no fear. Fear go. Say that out loud. Fear go. In Jesus' name. We declare your peace in Jesus' name. We replace fear with your peace. If you believe that, we just shout amen. amen. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it on social media or jump onto our website, hopecovenant.cc, and click on our giving link and help us continue to share the message of Jesus across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.